I want to share a message today. You know, we've been talking a lot about alignment and that we are in a season of alignment. And, and alignment for what purpose? To bring God's glory. That's what I want more. I want more of his presence. I want more of his glory. I've experienced it in the past, but I want more. I want more of it now. The question, are we ready for it? It's not just one of those things, okay, you know, you put your card into the ATM machine, you get what you want. That's not how God works in his kingdom. We want something because it's good. We want something that's from God. But sometimes we're full of other things that we need to get rid of in order to make way for that glory to come into our lives. As we've been sharing, this has been a, this has been a very interesting work week, a roller coaster week. And I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. yeah as soon as I say be honest, they shut off the microphone. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was extremely, I was disappointed this week. A lot of questions. Why? You know, ask, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Lori and me are the only ones that ask those questions. Why God? You know, God's brought us into this season of prayer and intercession. And, and um, I just remember going to bed Tuesday night feeling like, yeah, good. Things are good. You know, some things are, I don't know, there's some, there's some wonky stuff going on. But, and then the next day I'm like, what? I'm being honest, okay? And I don't care if this is going out on the, on the, on the airways. I'm going to just be, yeah, stop listening to the news. You know, and I mentioned this last week. You know, media is a, there's a spirit behind the media. And they have a false apostolic voice that they speak out. And uh, it goes to the heart. It affects the emotions. And so Wednesday, I was kind of like depressed. And I'm like, oh, God. And, and then they made the mistake of sharing that with my wife. She said. <laughs> but I just like, no, I have to get into alignment with the Lord on some things. Begin to think, you know. His faithfulness didn't stop on November 3rd. He's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. Philippians talks about, or is it Colossians? Focus our minds on things above where he is seated, not on the things on earth. A few weeks ago, remember I said, don't focus on the circumstances that you see around you. What is God saying in the midst of them? You see, God's desire is to, that his bride, and that's you and me, would be fully in love with him. We would experience his love in us, and that we would fully be in unity with his heart and with his rulership, his leadership in our lives. That's God's desire, is for his bride to be fully in love, fully in unity with his heart and rulership, no matter what happens around us. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read several verses from here. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. 
Now the end of all things is near. And everybody said, hallelujah, amen. So be self-controlled and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another constant. You see, everything that we hear and everything that we see will tend to affect us in a way that our love will grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold towards him and towards others. For love covers a multitude of sins. I appreciate what Lori said today. How do we respond to people who are 180 degrees different to us in our world, in our world view, in our, in our belief systems? How do we respond? Well, the scriptures talk about one way, and that's the way Yeshua would, in love, covers over a multitude of sins. Be hospitable one to another without grumbling. There's that word, grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. I love that. Many-sided grace of God. Everyone has gifts. Use those gifts as God has given to you. That's grace, the many-sided grace of God. Whoever speaks, let it be as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let it be with the strength that God supplies, so that in all things may God be glorified through Messiah Yeshua. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12. This is a, guys, you got to take a hold of this verse, okay? Verse 12. Loved ones, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal taking place among you to test you. Don't be surprised at these things. And it's interesting. Paul, I mean, Peter here is writing to believers who are being burned alive for their faith. And he says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that you're going through. Wow, what a thing. That, what a chutzpah he has to say that. As though something strange were happening to you. This is all far, part of what God is doing. He's refining all of us, guys. We need to see it from his perspective. 30,000 foot level, I say often. What is he doing in us during the midst of this, this whole year, 2020? I mean, let's get out of this year. But no, let's not miss what God wants to do in us during this year. Instead, and this is the part, even in the midst of the fiery ordeal, instead... Rejoice insofar as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be glad. If you're insulted for the name of Messiah, you are fortunate, for the spirit of glory and the God and of God rests on you. For let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or as a troublemaker. But if anyone suffers for following Messiah, let him not be ashamed. We broke off shame this morning. In the name of Yeshua, break off any shame that's still remaining on any of us here today in the name of Yeshua. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, his, in this name. Verse 17, for the time has come. And this is, this is kind of what I want to talk about today. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the house of God. 
Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on. If judgments begins with us first, what will be the end? What will be the end for those who disobey the good news of God? The word judgment, you know, we banter it around, we throw it around a lot. Especially when things get weird and wonky. That word judgment comes out. It invokes many reactions, and many of them are negative reactions. Judgment equals bad. Judgment means God has turned his back on you or me and, and us. Judgment means something terrible happened. It means judgment. We deserve this. We did the, you know, all of this stuff. And, and then ultimately God is washing his hands of you and me and, and us. And if we look at it, that's kind of a superficial way of looking at it. But there is God, judgment in God's kingdom. Okay? Let's get that straight. But what is it for? First of all, remember, God wants to bless us. His desire is to bless us. His desire is that we would experience and walk in the glory of God, in Yeshua in us. Okay? So let's understand what judgment is. What is it? Judgment is God making wrong things right. Very simple. God making wrong things right. Why? Why does God want to make wrong things right? Because he's a God of covenantal love. He's a God of covenant. Covenant love never gives up on his people. But sometimes we go off on this direction and God says, that's not a good direction. So I'm going to allow something to come into your life to bring you back to me. You know, we look at judgment. When we think of biblical judgment, we look at the Exodus and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. What was judged in the Exodus? Do you remember? Think about this. What was judged? What did God judge? Pharaoh and the gods of the, over their Egyptian people. He said, this is not good. And so God judged the the, the God, small g, over the Egyptian people so that the people of God would see and go, oh, now we see this because there was, they were probably falling under that same, the same gods of the Egyptians. And God says, I need to judge those gods. See, he's removing in judgment. He removes things that hinder love in our hearts. How many of us need more love? Okay. And so there are some things that we need to get rid of our, in our hearts so that we can, so he can move in us and, and we can experience more love. And so as to have intimacy, we talk about intimacy a lot, but what is intimacy? You know, I remember seeing this years ago. Intimacy, think of it as into me see. Lord God, into me see. Intimacy, we we, we see that in a covenantal relationship between a husband and a wife. Intimacy. But God calls us to live in that intimacy. So he wants to get rid of those things that hinder intimacy in our lives. So a question to ask you. We often ask the questions. When something happens in our lives that's not good, it's negative, it's bad, it's, it's hurtful, it's harmful, it's, you know, we ask the why questions. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And sometimes, like 
like Lori, she points her she points her finger at God. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Now she's the only one that would ever do that. Right. But you know, we ask that, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And that's the wrong question. And I remember, and I still have to be taught this too. That's the wrong question. The questions we need to be asking is, Father, what are you showing me about you in the midst of this? What are you showing me about me in the midst of this? What are you showing about the situation in the midst of this? And that begs more questions because that brings us to that point of listening to what God is saying about whatever circumstance you're in. What are you doing? What, God, are you showing me about yourself? And that's the first question. Lord, what am I, what am I to learn about yourself in the midst of this? Job finally got it at the end of the book of Job in Job 41, 42. Now I get it, God. Now I get it. I was pointing my finger and saying, why, why, why? He says, now I get it, God. You see, he, his greatest desire for us, his greatest desire for us is that we would glorify Yeshua. What does that mean? That Yeshua would be allowed to live his life through us as us. What do I mean by that? Each of us has gifts, callings, character. We all have a unique personality. And when Yeshua comes into your life, he doesn't change your personality. Maybe he should. But he doesn't. You have a personality that God, even before time, he created that. But he comes in to live his life through us, through our personality, through our giftings, through our callings. And that's how we glorify Yeshua. He often shows up, he, he shows most brightly when we're under pressure. Remember the old bracelet, what would Jesus do? What WWJD, you know, and look at Yeshua's life and was he under any pressure? How did he respond? See, that's what God wants us. That's why it's so important for us to become disciples of Yeshua so we can learn and, and take in and eat who he is so we can become like him so when the stuff comes into our lives he comes out he comes out and lives through us that he might see God might the father might see the life of his son manifested through us that's what it's all about that's how we glorify God is when he sees the life of his son being lived through us it's been a while i got my i got my envelopes and this is so, so, maybe for some of you it's new. This is so, this is so basic. But in John 13, 31, it says, then when, when Judah had gone out, Judas had gone out after the Passover, Yeshua said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. God is glorified in Yeshua. And then we read in, in John 14, I think it's in verse 20, he said that, in that day, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And I like to illustrate it by my famous... See, they've been through... They've, been, they've traveled all through Africa and Israel, so that's why I got a little bent. But this is the picture that we see in John 14. In that day, you will know that 
I, Yeshua, am in my Father. Jared, you haven't seen this before, have you? And then he says, and you, you are in me. That's me, and I'm in Yeshua. And you think, that's pretty cool. That's, that's good, but it doesn't stop there. But you now says, then not only am I in him, but he says, now I am in you. So whatever comes through the Father has to come through Yeshua, and then it comes to me. But then when it comes to me, guess whose life is living in me? Yeshua. Isn't that a beautiful picture of covenant? You see, we're created for purity and righteousness. And I'm not implying that we're going to walk at perfection. I'm not, going to, I'm not implying that, we're, that everything we do will be perfect in thought and action. Ain't none of us been able to do that. But our desire is to let him live his life through me as me. And the more that I fall in love with Yeshua, the more that I walk in that intimacy with him, the less I want of the other stuff that hinders that love, that hinders him coming out of my life. Do we ever get to that point where it's just, it's just people see Yeshua in me? They will in circumstances. I wish it was like they would see it all the time. But God's desire during this season is to, to know that we were created for to be his dwelling place. His spirit lives in us. The world needs to see that. The world is not impressed by huge mega churches. The world is not impressed by incredible um, Christian music that's done before in concerts of thousands and thousands. It may sound great, but what the world wants to see is Yeshua living through you, Kent, through you, Luann, through you, Peter. That's what they need because you come in contact with that waiter or that bus driver or the taxi driver or whatever, and they need to see him in us. That's what it's all about. And see, so that judgment of God is to judge those wrong things, to make things right. He wants to get our lives in order. And we look at 2020, this past year, I believe it's, it's God saying, knock, knock, wake up, awaken, church, awaken, bride, awaken, ecclesia. There's some things that we need to get right. There's some priorities we need to get right. And I'm allowing this plague to come. I'm allowing this craziness, this balagon to come. But don't give up. Listen to me. Deal with those things in your life. Because he wants to bring that place of glory where there's an outpouring of a spirit. I believe in a last days, end days outpouring of a spirit. I also believe in the end days there's going to be a great falling away. 
But I believe within the ecclesia, within the body, within the bride, there's going to be a great outpouring on, on, on us. See, this is a hard truth about this season that we're in. This is a season, and hear me what I say this, is a season of little to no toleration of intentional sin. This is unlike any time we've been in. And God, I believe, just like he's speaking, you know, we heard Abraham, God, if there's 50 righteous, God, if there's 40 righteous, God, if there's 30 righteous, God, if there's 20 righteous, where does he stop? 10. And I don't even think there was 10 in the city, was there? Eight. We're in that season. God is dealing with sin, flesh in our lives, guys. Don't tolerate those things. Deal with those things. God is wanting that, that bride of, without spot or wrinkle. I'm going to read some quote by Dr. Michael Brown. You all know who Dr. Michael Brown is? He invented Dr. Brown's cream soda. Some of you are like, what is Dr. Brown's cream soda? Well, you're definitely not Jewish. If you don't know what Dr. Brown's cream soda is, you're not Jewish. It's like you go to a deli and you order a corned beef sandwich. You have to have Dr. Brown's. But I'm, this is not, or no, 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 not even black cherry. We're talking cream soda. But Dr. Brown, Dr. Michael Brown, he's actually a, he's an incredible, he's a, he's a Messianic Jewish uh, brother who is a theologian. But he writes this, too much time working for God, not enough time waiting on God. Too much time attending his business, not enough time adoring his beauty. See, this is where intimacy grows is when we sit and adore his beauty. I'm productive, but not planted. Reviving others, but not resting myself. And this is speaking to me as a guy who's been in ministry for 33 years. As opposed to Wesley, John Wesley, I am too often both in haste and in a hurry. Help me, Lord, to learn what he so well learned. Thank God for faxes and modems. He wrote this quite a while back in emails, but oh, for the quiet, contemplative life that is still before the Lord. Psalm 131, that meets with him for fresh fire, fresh marching orders, fresh manna. God is calling his bride to adore him, to worship him because he wants to pour his glory into vessels who desire purity and righteousness, who desire more of him. You see, we mistake adrenaline of ministry, and I can identify with this so much. The adrenaline of ministry, we mistake it for the quality of intimacy. It's not the same. It's not the same. You see, he comes as a refiner's fire so we might shine more brightly. Woke up this morning singing that old song from the, I think it's from a worship song from the 1990s, you know. Remember that? Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire. 
is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, ready to do your will, my master, ready to do your, something like that. I remember singing that. I was my heart's cry, Lord. It's inviting refiner's fire. If you're inviting the refiner's fire, don't be surprised when he starts showing things in your life that need to be dealt with. That's that whole process of holiness. He says, be holy like I'm holy. We think, well, you know, there's no way. God is holy and he puts up with me. No, he's called us to be set apart. Set apart for his purposes, for his plans. Revelation chapter 3, Yeshua speaking to the bride. He says, to whom I love, this is starting in verse 19. To whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. God rebukes and disciplines those he loves. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and I will dine with him and he with me. See, that's a picture of intimacy. There's a knock on the door and we invite him in. And many of us have heard that knock and invited him in. And then we go off and do our business and we left him sitting in our house by himself. And God says, I want to eat with you. I want you to eat with me. I want to dine with you. See, that's a picture of intimacy. Then he goes to the one who overcomes. To the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne just as I myself overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So when the knock, you hear the knock on their door, and I'm talking about the door of our hearts. Okay, there may be a literal door knock. I'm, you know, that's happened before. But I'm talking about when, when God is knocking on your heart's door. Answer, open the door, invite him into that room in your heart that you've hidden from him and hidden from others and say, God, bring healing because I want more of you. I need to make space for more of you. You see, the bottom line is that judgment brings revival. You want revival? Judgment brings alignment. See, he's calling us into that season of alignment. We've been talking about how the tribes of Israel were aligned in a certain way. What were they aligned to? You remember last week? What did I say? Did anybody remember? Did anybody hear what I said last week? What were they aligned to? To the Mishkan. What's in the middle of the Mishkan? The Ark of His Presence. And each of the tribes were aligned in a specific way. And God is saying to us, come into an alignment with His presence. Come into an alignment for holy visitation. You see, we are a habitation and He wants to visit us freshly. He does. You see, God's not going to fill His house with glory until He receives, until we receive the purification He desires to bring in our midst. Let me say that again. God will not fill his house. And I'm talking not just co congregations and buildings. I'm talking about this house. 
with glory. God will not fill his house with glory until we receive purification he desires to bring in our midst. Refiner's fire, it may hurt. It may be uncomfortable, but God is doing it for a reason. He wants pure gold, precious silver to come out of that. No glory without consecration. This is a season of consecration. You know, Hanukkah is all about the re-consecration, the rededication of the temple because it had been defiled. And God is speaking to us to a season of consecration, declaring. And what does consecration mean? It means declaring or making something sacred. This here, this here is a sacred place for the dwelling of his Ruach HaKodesh. So don't allow anything to come in to defile that. See, we need to come back to that reverent fear of God in our midst. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In many ways, we've lost the fear of the Lord. That reverent awesomeness of God. You know, I want to have that same fear of the Lord, that reverence of the Lord that Isaiah came into the temple and his, his, the train of his, his robe filled the temple. And man, I was like, but God, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm from a people of unclean lips. And God touched his lips. Then he said, will you, he called him and he said, Hineni, here am I. Are we willing to say Hineni to that purification, to that consecration of our, this place, this temple? That's what God is speaking to us. Having a clean heart. Having a clean heart. This is interesting. I want to tell you this. I got a, an email this, this week from, from a guy who, him and his wife were in a school that we led in Youth with a Mission, a discipleship school that we led 16 years ago. And he said, you know, I want to ask you to forgive me because when that situation happened with that guy, I, my attitude towards you was not right. And 16 years later, he finally found, he says, would you forgive me for that? Well, I said, first of all, I said, Millie, I said, I know who these people are. I remember them. I don't remember the situation at all. I do not remember the situation at all. But you see, the Lord wanted to, he's doing something in Mark's life. And Mark wanted to be right. And so there was an offense that he held against me many years ago. And he came and said, will you forgive me? And now I see that. And then he says, I saw. Now I see. The Lord showed me the situation. I didn't, he didn't see the whole picture. And I'm still trying to figure out what the situation was. I still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I said, absolutely, man. Absolutely. See, that's what God wants to do in us. Wendy, would you come on up? So I kind of bring things to a close here. I, I want to read a couple of scriptures out of Ezekiel chapter 44. <clears throat> Starting in verse 5. Ezekiel 44 verse 5. Adonai said to me, Son of man, set your heart, behold with your eyes and hear with your ears all that I say to you concerning all the ordinances of Adonai's house and all its laws. He's saying, hear with your heart, behold with your eyes. Set your heart to the entrance of the house with all exits of the sanctuary 
Say to the rebellious to the house of Israel, thus says Adonai Elohim, enough of your abominations, house of Israel. You brought in foreigners, uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh to be in my sanctuary, to, prof to profane it, my house. When you offer my bread, the fat and the blood, they have broken my covenant to add to all your abominations. You have not kept charge of my holy things, but in you, but you have set keepers of my service in my sanctuary to please yourself. Ezekiel is getting ready to talk to the priests, to the house of Israel. That cleansing begins in the priesthood beginning in the house of God, beginning with us, uncircumcised in heart. What does that mean? Those who are closed and impervious to God's attempts to affect it. Uncircumcised heart is just so cold and, and hard to God. Uncircumcised in flesh. Heathens and pagans were bringing in their idols in the midst of God's holy temple. God spoke to Ezekiel and says, enough of this. It's a stern warning about what is taking place in his sanctuary. And I believe God is talking to us, not just about, I'm talking about the, the church, but I'm talking about in here. What have we allowed to come into our hearts? What's taking place in this sanctuary? What are we allowing in our hearts, in our places of worship? What are we tolerating in the midst of, in our midst for the sake of, well, we just want to cross the aisle. We want to just, we want to reach out to people. So are we willing to compromise and tolerate impurity, falsehoods, lies, deceptions, sins? See, there's a warning against the uncircumcised in the heart that affects leadership and ministry. And, and this is speaking to me. This is talking to me. God wants a, a, a priesthood and, and each of us has an area where we are in leadership of, whether it be our own, our own lives, our families, our businesses. God is calling us to really search our hearts that nothing would affect us today with a scourge of pornography, with drunkenness, with lust. This affects not just you, but it affects everybody that you have contact with. It, it's It's... It's contagious. There's been an entertainment spirit that's come into many of our worship services. And I love music. I love music. But if it just becomes entertainment, get the people in, entertain them with professional musicians, and uh, and, and then and then give them a, a nice, you're doing great, guys. Now go on out there. I don't believe we're doing God any service at all at that. We can't let those things infiltrate our lives. You see, this requires, and this is our, this is what where where we're at, is this requires an ongoing consecration, a consecration in our own lives. Reevaluating our priorities. What are we making priorities in our own lives? I want to make a commitment to you. As the pastor, rabbi, leader of this congregation. And this is something that the Lord reminds me of often. I'm called to make disciples. I'm called to impart his kingdom 
into our culture as much as I can. I'm called, and this is bottom line, I'm called to create a place for his presence. That's my mantle on me. And when I fall away from that, and I've got, I've got some brothers in leadership who will call me on that, and I appreciate that. But that's my priority, and that's my commitment to make disciples. Yeshua, the last words he says to his disciples, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and baptize them, immerse them into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, and the name of the Ruach HaKodesh. And I'm so, so thankful that his disciples heard that call and they went out and you're here because of that today. But you know what? That commission has not ended. We still have that commission. My job is not to create a um, um, comfortable environment. How much I would love to do that because I love peace. I love where everybody's in harmony. And I can fall into a trap of, I want everybody to be comfortable here. I don't want to lose anybody. I want more, because I want people to come here to, I want to make them comfortable. That's not my role. Sometimes to make disciples is hard work. And all of us are called to make disciples. Creating a place for his presence means that my priority is that every day, just like this morning, we would have the Holy Spirit rule and reign in here. And if he says, Stu, I want us to go in this direction, I say, yes, Lord, amen, Lord. I'm going to read in just, just a few more minutes. Just bear with me. Isaiah, I mean, Ezekiel um, 44, back to verse 10. For the Levi, and this is, this is a very interesting, I want, to hear, I want you to hear this, this is interesting. For, when, for the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray after their idols will bear their iniquity. Yet they will be ministers in my sanctuary. I don't get that. He allows them to be ministers in his sanctuary. Overseers of the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They will slaughter the burnt offerings and the sacrifice for the people. They will stand before them to minister to them. Interesting. These priests who had gone, wandered off and astray, they were allowed to remain in ministry. But their ministry was very limited. Very limited. I call it a horizontal ministry where the results were a lot of activity and people were feeling good about themselves. They were ministering one to another, but what they were missing was that vertical ministry that we come together to minister to the Lord first. And they weren't ministering to the Lord. There was little intimacy in their ministry, little breakthrough, horizontal ministry. And there's nothing wrong with ministering one to another. We're called to minister one to another. But it comes out of when we worship him and minister to him first. Vertically. You see, if not, the worship becomes me-focused. I go to congregation. I go to my pastor. I go to my counselor. I go there because I get my needs met. That's me-focused worship. My priorities are met. But we're called to worship him. We're called to serve him congregationally and individually. That's vertical ministry. 
And out of that relationship, God ministers through us as Yeshua to each other. Does that make sense? Is this coming together? Vertical ministry. I've been saying this for months now. God is saying to us, come out. Come out. Revelation. I believe it's in Revelation 19. Calling the bride to come out of Babylon. God is calling us to come out of a world system. You know what, really? I saw corruption this week. I saw corruption this week. And that, that angers me. Imagine what it does to God. But you see, I can't stay in that system. We're out of that. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're a different breed altogether. We're a peculiar people. He says, come out. And then he says, come back to me. Come back to my ways. Come back to my ways. And then he says, then you go forth. That's what it's all about. Come out. Come back. And go forth. See, I want to experience more of his glory in my life. Do you want to experience more of his glory? Stand with me. Stand with me. And you know, I can use words to define his glory. I mean, I can say, well, you know, it's, it's a weight. It's a heaviness. And you might say, well, I don't want heaviness. I don't want a weight. It's hard to explain in words, but that's what that glory, kavod, means. His presence, his weight is just so strong on us. And I don't know about you, but I want more of that in my life. And I want more of that in our congregation, in our services, in our lives. Amen? So if I want that glory, I need to say, yes, cleanse me. Cleanse me. Knock, knock, knock. Open the door. Allow him to come into your heart and cleanse all of those attitudes, opinions, stinking thinkings, all of those things to allow more room for his glory. It's a personal consecration every day. It's not just on Shabbat. It's not just on a, a, a church service. It's every day saying, Lord, I commit myself. I consecrate myself to you. Allow the Holy Spirit into those rooms of your heart. Father, Hashem Yeshua, we say yes. We say you are welcome in this place. Come and take your rightful place in our hearts. Lord, that room that I've kept closed off to everybody. And I've even said, no. Thus far, no farther. Lord, I say to you, I open that door and I allow you to come in because you're a gentle, loving, care, caring, covenant-keeping Father. Yeah, there's rebuke and there's discipline, but it's because you love us and so, Father, I say yes. I allow you to come into those rooms of my heart so that I can make room for you in my life. God, I confess that I've thought wrong, done wrong, believed wrong about you. I've done some things, said some things to people 
And Lord, and I've closed them off and I said, oh, there's grace, 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 grace. But God is saying, no more toleration. No more toleration. He's saying, open that door of that room and let me in. Let me in. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that as you're in that room, Lord, you're ministering to hearts. Break down those, break off the chains, break down the walls, and go and gently put your loving hands under that wound, under that hurt. Lord, remove that so that your glory can come in. Who is the king of glory? Yeshua. Yeshua is the king of glory, and he wants to come in. He wants to come in, and he wants to come on us. Amen? So, Father, just thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's just take a few minutes and just, let's just take a few minutes and worship him from that place of where he's put up his throne in our hearts. Amen?